0: What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday! It is Tuesday, March fifth. Today is the franchise tag deadline. This is the Pick Six podcast. Oh wait, no, it's the Brady Quinn Football Show. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. I know. I was, I was, we, we, we did away with that like a
1: couple weeks ago. Now
0: I was doing half-hearted lasers. That was the I
1: know. Uh, oh, half-hearted. You can't do the half-hearted. You just can't do them all together.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've reached a good uh, a good a good medium in terms of our laser shooting. We'll do it during the season, but you know, uh, right now does it doesn't warrant doing it. Besides, you have a small. I think. No. I, I think I heard a small child.
1: Are you podcasting with a small child? I, I may or may not be podcasting <laughs> with a small child. My daughter woke up a little before we thought she was going to, so she's also joining us for this podcast uh, every once in a while.
0: Uh, there's a decent chance my son comes up here. Um, in the middle of it, he is, uh, long story. We'll I, I feel like there's a 70% chance that he pops onto
1: this podcast. We'll see. Um, at any rate, um, I hope he does. Cause I feel like he's already made a camera before on CBS sports HQ. Yeah. And, uh, the way you try to stiff arm your son was something similar to Desmond Howard. I think when he struck a pose <laughs> uh, for the Heisman, it, it, it was very similar to that.
0: That's my traditional post, sorry I was taking a sip of afternoon coffee. Uh, we're going to today's Monday afternoon as we record this. So if anything breaks um, after the four o'clock hour, we'll circle back and, and talk about it on Tuesday. Um, we'll probably'll re- we'll we record the two, you know the Wednesday podcast after the franchise tag deadline to make sure we get all that stuff covered. Um, Brady and I will talk some franchise tags. We will talk about me losing my voice at the NFL Combine. And, of course, we will talk about winners and losers from the NFL Combine. By the way, Brady, did you know that we did this podcast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday? No breaks. No days off. That's how No we... breaks. No days off. That's how We're
1: we... like the New England Patriots of podcasts, at least in the sense of our consistency, right? I don't know about as far as quality and uh Super Bowls, uh, wins, and all that kind of thing. But at least in regards to consistency, yeah.
0: We're like the Browns being coached by Bill Belichick, like the modern-day Browns being coached by Bill Belichick. You know, no days off, not a lot of wins, not Super Bowls, but uh, no days off. <laughs> so
1: that's... I'll take that. Um, at
0: any rate, what uh, how would you like to break down the combine? Because I think it is a little too nebulous just to say, who's your big winner, who's your big loser, right? I mean, I think um, – Actually, you know what? I, I, I know we talked about it ad nauseum this week, but I, I have a hard time starting anywhere else. You have to go to Kyler Murray, don't you? I mean, what did you what? Did, a. What did you think about Kyler Murray's quote unquote performance? As in, he you know he weighed in, saw his measurements, um, didn't throw, uh, did do a, a uh, press conference. that was eh, not bad. Uh, it wasn't wasn't terrible, but wasn't great. And, uh, and then he came out of this combine with uh, apparently two teams, the Cardinals and the Raiders, coveting him. And what are you hearing about where Kyler Murray might end up going?
1: Well, I think the, the speculation that it could go to Arizona number one overall is, to me, twofold. Because for starters, does it doesn't make sense as far as the scheme fit, of course. And, and it would make a lot of sense that if that was the quarterback you were looking to pair with Cliff Kingsbury, that's the best situation and circumstance. He's a unique talent. It all makes sense. But it also makes sense if you're the Arizona Cardinals to wave that number one pick and make teams who might be valuing a potential um, quarterback like Kyler Murray to wave that around back and forth as much as you can and see what offers you could field either for Kyler Murray or for Josh Rosen. So it makes sense because at this point in time, you're really just gathering information as to what you could get in return for either one of, the, one of those two scenarios. So that, that's kind of my overall thought on where we're at right now. But Kyler Murray kind of won uh, the, the combine. If, if you look at the fact that he was taller than people thought based on his numbers at Oklahoma, he was heavier than people thought he was going to be. And he had bigger hand size than a guy like Drew Locke, for example, uh, who Pete Prisco, mind you, loves. <laughs> and, uh, and and all, But he also has like nine-inch hands. If you look at Cal Murray, he's got nine and a half-inch hands. So, even bigger hands than a bigger player like Drew Locke. So I think he won in that regard. Where I heard he didn't look very good, meetings. I heard he had a really hard time going through meetings with teams, drawing up defenses, talking X's and O's. Um, And and so that's going to hurt him, but it's also not going to keep a team from drafting him because let's be honest, there's a lot of guys who struggle with that uh, now, it is the most important position at the quarterback spot, and there are guys like Daniel Jones and I'm sure Dwayne Haskins who are much better prepared, but still, that's something that's going to be learned, and I think when he's not devoting half his time as a collegiate athlete to baseball, he's going to have even more time to devote it to football and be able to catch up with a lot of that.
0: Yeah, you know, I you were not the only person I heard say that about Kyler Murray in those meetings, and that, um, I mean, that, that has to – that's a red flag. That's a major red flag, right? I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that the most important thing? I mean, does it matter if, I mean, it might not matter if, if the Cardinals decide they love him and they're ready to move on from Josh Rosen, and it might not matter if John Gruden is, uh, I know, you know, Peter King has reported this, that John Gruden's in love, uh, with, with the Raiders. He wrote that on Monday. Uh, I mean, in love with the, of course he's in love with the Raiders. In love with Kyler Murray. Um, but if he stinks on the whiteboard, you know, I mean, like, I, I don't know, it feels like, if you, I mean, there, do you think there's a, a chance that we've got so enamored with the idea of you know Russell Wilson working out and Baker Mayfield working out, and now it's Kyler Murray's got to work out? I mean, is there, a, is there a chance that Kyler Murray isn't as good as his predecessor in Oklahoma?
1: They're completely different prospects, in my opinion. They ran the same offense, but you know when you're watching that offense, there, there's two distinct differences between Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and how they operate within that system. Baker Mayfield is the type of quarterback that moves to throw. Kyler Murray is the type of quarterback, when he moves in the pocket, it's to go. Mm. So move to throw versus move to go, and one translates a lot better at the NFL level than the other. And that's one of the reasons why you saw Baker Mayfield really excel. When he moved in the pocket, he moved on with his progression at two to three, and he usually made those throws. He's a very accurate passer. Kyler is not as accurate. He is still accurate and has enough arm to make all the throws and can throw from all sorts of different, you know, funky body positions and angles because of his baseball background. But you didn't see him work through his progressions quite as much. Typically it was more like number one's not there. He's off to the races. If number two's not there, he's off to the races. Now I will say this though. He doesn't force stuff. He knows when there's only a three man rush, when he has additional time in the pocket. And look, versus a lot of blitz zero looks like we saw from time to time when West Virginia would run them against them. He knows where to go with the football. So, uh, I, I think he does have a strong understanding, at least in the previous system he was in Lincoln, with Lincoln Riley, of, of where he's going with the football and what his plan is. Uh, but he's not the same prospect as Baker Mayfield. So I don't think you can really compare the two. And, and you can even use that as any sort of measuring stick as to how he will project as an NFL quarterback. Uh, what
0: about other? What about the other quarterbacks out there? Did you think that Dwayne Haskins helped himself? Did Drew Locke, I know you mentioned him. Did he, um, you know, sort of fade back a little bit from the top two guys? Is there? You know, Daniel Jones. I don't know if he elevated. It just that felt like a very. At least their throwing and workout session. I know that it doesn't matter, and um, you know, you've you've done it, so you you know how it how it works in there and how it actually functions within the context of, of the draft process. But uh, you know, like compared to recent years, I wasn't blown away by anybody on that during that throwing session.
1: No, and, and that's one of the reasons why it and really it's kind of irrelevant. You know, there, there's not a whole lot you're going to take away from it. Um, there are a couple of guys who maybe aren't being talked about as much that I thought helped themselves, like Gardner Minshew, for example. Hmm. He's the quarterback in this draft that most reminds me of Baker Mayfield. Minshew came out of Washington State. He was a grad transfer, went there for one year, was phenomenal in Mike Leach's air raid system. Primarily played in shotgun, though. And at the combine, they make you drop back like you're in your center. I thought he, he handled himself really, really well. His footwork looked solid. He got good depth. He threw on time on rhythm, and he was accurate as all get out. And if you look at him as far as his size and weight and, and just watch him throw and look how accurate he is as a quarterback throwing the football uh, on a lot of these, you know, a lot of the combine routes that they had, he reminded me a lot of Baker. So he, he was a guy who I think definitely helped himself. And you don't hear as many people talking about him. Uh, I can tell you this much he's going to interview well. People are going to love this young man. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't get taken as a third round pick, somewhere wow. third, fourth, fifth round. I'll be shocked if he went later than that. Uh, I just I, I think he's a solid prospect who helped himself out a lot. Tyree Jackson's another guy that when you look at his size at six seven two forty nine, um, he's he's got a lot of raw talent and ability. Like to me, upside Cam Newton. That was the first guy when I started play and I saw him run and everything he was doing. That's what I feel like he could be and be the league MVP if he eventually uh, gets more accurate as a passer, which is tough to do but it becomes more consistent. But also there's the caveat that he could become a taste Hill hell type player. You mix him in every once in a while to run some sort of package like that. And then there's also the possibility he could transition positions. You know, he could end up being a guy like Logan Thomas who came out of Virginia tech that transitioned to a tight end is now still playing the league. Maybe that's there for you as well. So um, there are a couple guys who I think uh, helped himself in, in that regard and and then you can look at a quarterback like Trace McSorley that got a little bit of flack because he wasn't overly accurate. He didn't necessarily anticipate some of his throws uh, during the course of the combine. And that to me is a product of the fact he's throwing to guys he hasn't thrown to before. And, and even though it wasn't a great showing, that's your downside risk. When you're a quarterback and you put yourself in that position and, and people are saying, oh, just get out there and compete. Well, then you come away with people knocking your ability to throw the football and, and I didn't see that, you know, watching film of him this past year at Penn State. He throws a very good deep ball. I also feel like, especially in his half field reads, he did a good job of throwing with the ball where it should be accurately and on time. He wasn't late. So, um, you know, is he the most accurate quarterback? No. And I think this past year at Penn State revealed a little bit of that uh, as, as teams took away some of the deeper shots and made him force him to be accurate in more of the intermediate routes. Uh, But there's a couple of things that you could easily fix within his forework that would help make him more accurate uh, when he throws at his pro day or in some private workouts. But, uh, you know, those are just some of the guys that I was kind of watching and thinking to myself, it'll be interesting to see what narrative is spun after they're done because the top guys looked how the top guys were going to look. I thought Drew Locke demonstrated a strong arm, a guy who could throw from kind of a variety of arm angles. But with the the way he ran in the drills – he reminds me more of Jay Cutler than everyone kind of comparing to Matt Stafford. Mm. That's why I think he's more comparable to. Um, you know, and Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins threw the ball kind of like I thought they would. I mean, they look like guys that could very well be, very, uh, well be taken in the first round.
0: Uh, moving over to the wide receiver group, um, I got to tell you, you'll be surprised by this but you and i were texting back and forth uh when we were on when we were on CBS Sports HQ discussing wide receivers and if you're not watching CBS Sports HQ what the hell are you doing with your life you can uh, get real new real sports news for real sports fans we had 24/7 coverage of the combine Ryan Wilson and John Breach are still there they're there through tuesday Banging out uh recaps and hits and all that. And of course Brady and myself and Pete Briscoe and everybody else will be on there. Uh, but we were texting during back and forth. You're like, you No, know, he's a good comp for DK Metcalf is Terrell Owens. And I told Prisco Pete Briscoe that you said that. He's like, Wow, that's a smart comp by Brady. I was like, Do you want me to tell Brady you called him smart? And he's like, No, don't do that. I'll get very mad. Um <laughs> But DK Metcalf, one of the Three or four biggest stars of this combine by far. He blew everything away athletically. Uh, there are concerns, and I, I, I would echo them that uh, you know he didn't run the the twenty yard shuttle very well, didn't run the thirty, the three cone drill very well. So you have to worry about the lateral agility. Um, but that dude's a freak, and he's built like a. I mean, he's built like a D end, and he runs like a, like a, like a really like I don't know. Like a, I
1: mean, it's crazy. He's, he's built. He's built like a brick house. Is, is how is what my dad would call it. There you uh, go. He's stacked. There's no doubt about it. You are probably going to have to edit that out. But I, I most mound, am the way I used it, so you probably won't have to.
0: You, and you quoted um, you quoted your dad, so I think they're right, allowed to use right. it.
1: Yeah, I quoted Chopper Quinn, so I, I think that still works. Your dad's nickname is but Chopper. Chopper, yeah, that's his nickname. And actually, the best part is, is my dad calls everyone else Chopper, so <laughs> it's a brilliant strategy because you never have to learn anyone else's name. Everyone knows your name, and so when you speak if you said hey chopper and you're in a room with like four or five guys they'll listen to you cuz everyone thinks that you know maybe you're talking to them so it's it's, it's a it's a strategy that he devised a while ago and uh, i i think you just more people should run with it it makes complete sense wait, wait,
0: wait. So you, uh, well, hold, but, on, hold on hold on hold on hold we can't get away from that quite yet he his nickname is chopper but he calls everybody else chopper and by that is that how he got the nickname chopper
1: no, no, no. Uh, he was uh, on a helicopter in Vietnam, and we believe, Here's the best part: is he tells a variety of stories as to how he got the nickname. Okay. So you know, it's it's kind of almost a mystery. And it, you know, depending on who he talks to when he tells the story, when people ask, you get a different version. So uh, that's that's more of the mystery behind it. And then the fun part is uh, the fact that again he, he that's the nickname they call so everyone calls him Chopper and he calls everyone Chopper and and somehow it all works out no one gets confused of course the entire pro across the entire process
0: it's incredible um anyway uh at any rate Chopper, so Chopper calls DK Metcalf a, a brick bleep house to get ahead of the second one and i mean how how high is DK Metcalf going to get
1: drafted you know i think there's some serious concerns though with his medical for starters you know the neck you don't know if that's going to prevent a team from taking them, uh, just remember back Mike Williams a couple years ago. He had a, a similar neck injury. I wasn't a concern for the Chargers. They took him. Wasn't great his rookie year, but then his second year uh, really really balled out, showcased well. So um, I think that provides an example of a guy that there was some concerns, but it did take a team that I think was in the back end of the first round. It was like twenty four, twenty five, and they took Mike Williams, maybe even twenty seven or something Mike, like that. Maybe not that high, but Mike, Mike, um, wait, wait, there wait. obviously was some...
0: which Mike Williams the.
1: The wide receiver out of Clemson? No, no, he went top 10. Chargers. Did he go top 10? Was he like nine or something?
0: Yeah, because remember, it was him, John Ross, and um, uh, another wide receiver who hadn't worked out well. Who else went in the top 10? John Ross,
1: Mike Williams, and... Yeah, he was seventh that year, and, and no and no one in that draft was... So look, someone's going to take a chance on him uh, because he's got that sort of ability, but th- th- there could be some reservations with teams based on their medical grade. Because again... John Ross, Mike Williams, Corey Davis. Otherwise, Corey Davis. There you go. None of them really showed out their rookie year. No, they had terrible um, rookie years. Right, but again, you know, Davis is a little bit better second year. Mike Williams, I think, had the best of all of them, and then John Ross is a little bit better in his second year. Even though the Bengals want to trade him now. So, the point is, there will be some reservations. We'll see how teams view the neck injury as far as their medical team goes. Uh, I think as far as how he tested, you know, he was off the charts in some ways, but you're right. The concern is the 5'10", 5, 5", 5, or 20-yard shuttle, as it's known as, and the three-cone, which really tests your your change of direction. So here's the simple solution to that. Don't put him in a position where he has to make a bunch of change of direction routes, right? <laughs> you don't allow him to have to worry about breaking his feet down. If this dude's going to be breaking down a route, it's going to be a 20-yard dig. It's going to be a 18-yard a comeback. It's going to be something deep downfield where you are so threatened by his size and speed to beat you vertically, you have to get in your backpedal. You have to turn and run. Uh, so it makes his inability to get in and out of cuts uh, as well as maybe a smaller wide receiver or someone who's more fleet of foot, uh, it kind of it negates that inability to do it. So anyway, I think you can work around that because he is so explosive and so dynamic. Uh, so I'm not too concerned with that. Um, the other thing is, you know, everyone talks about his body fat and is he flexible and all that, his catch radius. I mean, the only thing on film that you could kind of notice, and I talked to his quarterback, Jordan uh, Tamu, I, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, at, at Old Miss, he said, you know, he can make the most ridiculous one-handed catches, but then he'd make those easy ones uh, sometimes look hard. And And so that's a bit of a concern, too, is his ability to catch the football consistently, which is... You know, between it, the way his body looks and the way he would catch the football at times and be able to separate vertically, that's where it reminded me of the comp of Terrell Owens. That uh, maybe Turtle Owens doing sit-ups outside of his house and being absolutely <laughs> shredded.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never um, – yeah, I'm of the opinion that 1.6% body fat is – it's too lean for me. You know, I don't think it's safe. Uh, I like to err on the side of caution in this particular instance and make sure that I'm, like, up around, like, 16%. Or maybe I'm, I'm probably like 30%. I don't know how, like, what, what percent? You're way higher. Whatever you think you are, add on about 5% more body fat. Yeah, I'm probably like 25 or 30 right now. Maybe like in the But sun. you run, you run a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah,
1: yeah I'm, I'm not all fat.
0: Um, thanks. What, what do you think your, what do you think your BP, BMI
1: is? Uh, my body mass index or my body fat? Uh, your BMI is a different story. Oh,
0: yeah, what's your body fat percentage? Which is really
1: irrelevant. Yeah, my body fat percentage, I'm probably around like 10 or 12 right now. I mean, look, he's not 1.6%. I don't care what – when you when you include um, your vital organs and everything else, there's fatty tissue around that um, throughout his body. He would have a hard time being less than really three or four if you went through like one of those – I don't know, it's a DEXA scan or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, bottom line is he's shredded. He doesn't have much fatty tissue at all. Uh, that's that, that's all good and fine, and so you start having cramping issues and everything else, and then also just you know is he going to be you know having nagging injuries throughout the course of his career in the NFL? Uh, that, that sometimes comes along with that. E- either way, though, I'm not concerned. I, I think he could get you know drafted within the top ten if you find a team that's really in need of a wide receiver. Um, but but there are some there are some concerns you're going to have about his his medical history, and then you know looking at his play on film. We I mean, had seven games this past year. And like I said, there was a little bit of an inconsistency with his ability to get in and out of cuts and then catch the football. So that could be concerning for teams as well.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And but I think and part of the problem too is like this wide receiver group. Even with you know as good as DK Metcalf was, um, you know, there's a lot of other uh, you know good wide receivers out there. Uh, my boy Kelvin Harmon, who I thought might be a first rounder, probably fell out of the first round with a, a uninspired combine performance. Although his film's very good. Inkeo Harry had a nice week. Um, you know, you had uh, you had uh, uh, who's your boy from uh, Notre
1: Dame? That
0: whose name I'm forgetting.
1: Well, I was going to say everyone's raving about DK Metcalf. Miles Boykin actually had maybe one of the best combine performances in the past his... decade when you factor in size. Yeah, and you look at all the measurements. I mean, he was more explosive in his vertical. Was it a four three three? But was it like a four four two? Was heavier? I believe he was a little bit taller. I believe he was better than the three cones and all that stuff. I mean. He put together a performance. I don't know if he was a first-round guy, but he definitely went from being a guy that didn't have a lot of production um, during the course of his his career at Notre Dame to being potentially a fourth, third, maybe even second-round pick with what he was able to do.
0: Yeah, he did a sub-seven-second three-cone drill, uh, was nearly right at four seconds at the 20-yard shuttle, 140 broad jump, 43.5 vertical jump, 12 bench reps, and a 4.4240. That is outstanding for a 6'4", 220-pound uh, wide receiver and yeah I mean I, I don't know I I thought that um I thought that you know, Paris Campbell out of Ohio State did a really good job he said he had a 4 3 Andy Isabella did too um you know you had um I I don't know I just thought that this Akeem Butler out of Iowa State this is a this is a deep deep wide receiver class I don't I don't know what the over-under is going to end up being for number of wide receivers taken in the first round but if it's Two and a half. I would take the over. I think you're going to see three or four guys go in the first round because of the need of certain teams at the back end because of the depth of this position.
1: I always wonder how, you know, teams view taking a wide receiver in the first round versus signing one in free agency. I mean, you look at the, some of the guys who last year got signed in free agency. Michael Crouchy, for example, signed a three year deal with Baltimore. was an okay. You're not great. Everyone's stats went down when Lamar Jackson came in at quarterback. And he gets released after one year. You know, Golden Tate gets traded for and now becomes a free agent and hadn't heard much buzz. Or you would have thought that if you're Philly, you would have just leased him for the year. And I think in exchange of a third-round pick, you would have tried to extend him. Uh, They obviously didn't see enough to want to extend him, and they'll let him test the free agency market. So it's just kind of bizarre that the way NFL teams have handled some of it. And on the flip side, you got Mario Cooper, who's traded for a first-round pick. You know, he's the guy that his contract expires after next year. But you wonder, are the Cowboys going to make him play through it and then look to franchise tag him? uh, Depending on how he plays this next year, that might be the way they go about doing it. We'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. You know, whether a team wants to build the draft with a wide receiver like that or if they're going to look into free agency and maybe they can find someone to cheat.
0: Yeah, and it's weird. The Cowboys were a big talk of the Combine as well. I mean, it seems like, and we'll get to the franchise tags in a minute, but it does seem like they're going to try to pay everybody. But that was sort of their bluster thing, and maybe they won't pay everybody. I don't know, you know. Like, you know, you always hear Jerry Jones, like I, I you know, Dak Prescott, we're going to give him like $600 million. And, and then it's like, well, why are you like, what, what, what's the hold up here? Pay him. If you're going to talk about paying him, uh, then just pay him. The other group of guys that really stood out, I thought in terms of having a big week, the defensive lineman who uh Montez sweat blew up everything. We, I talked about him yesterday with uh, Ryan Wilson and John breach, but who, who in your mind uh, helped themselves from the defensive lineman group?
1: Well, I don't know that you know, too many people help themselves. Look, Nick Bosa needed to showcase that he's healthy and he's still able to move really, really well. His forty time wouldn't blow you away after you're watching Montez sweat out of Mississippi Race. State. But his 10-yard time was damn fast. And, and I think that was anywhere between 155 to 165 for a 10-yard split, uh, which is what you're looking for out of, out of a rush end or an edge player, right? You want the explosion off of the football to go get that quarterback. That's what a 10-yard demonstrates. Uh, I, I honestly wish they would just post that you know, mm-hmm. for most D linemen, since it's so important. And, and typically, you have to really search and dig to find that. But uh, his demonstrating that he's healthy, looked good at drills, ran pretty well. It showcased that. Uh, and I think he solidified himself as one of the top prospects. Josh Allen did the same. Uh, and then Quinn Williams, I, I thought he was the most impressive. And, and it's another reason why he's my top overall prospect. I don't know that there's a uh, wow. you know, better can miss product than Quinn and Williams, uh, based on you know being 300-plus pounds, running a 4840 moving the way he does on uh, then matching out with his production and, and the film that's the film that he had 19 and a half sacks or excuse me 19 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks this year i think what 91 tackles or something ridiculous like that um so you know he, he, you know he helped himself you could talk about Montez sweat all day the cool thing about him is look if being an edge rusher doesn't work out dude go switch over to offense go if you'll be a ball <laughs> sports, go, be a, go be a tight end go be go be a wide receiver like He's got options uh, for a lot of points in his career, so kind of uh, kind of interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, but you know, there's, there's a number of other players. I think there's some guys too that didn't help themselves. Uh, was it Jakai Polite? Jakai Polite, Polite. Uh, yeah, very bad company. Yeah, and I, by the by the way, no, Nick, well, Nick a B- lot of people question whether or not the uh, injury was that he claimed he had with a hamstring was mm-hmm. actually legitimate. So that, that's always a good sign. Yeah,
0: uh, Nick Bosa. Helpfully tweeted out by, uh, our, our friend, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who also had a big breakout combine, uh, at move the sticks on Twitter. Uh, Nick Bosa tied for third in terms of defensive lineman with a one five five, 10 yard split. Montez sweat at one five zero. And you're right. I mean, like, it would almost be better just to see guys, like, don't worry about running the full 40. You know, it shows that you're a freak athlete, but how about just, just run 20 yards. But let them like you know do the do the ten yards and then cool that you know what I mean like 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 how often? Well,
1: I I think it's still good to see what their top end speed is because yeah. well, yeah. it's impressive for how big they are. But just include the ten yard split. Like we should just have a, a sub or a dash where it's like ten yard split, forty yard dash time. Those those, those it should, two should be included. It should be on both.
0: it should be on the 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 players tracker. Like on the combine yes. results, it should be all like ten yard split should be on there because they show it on the on the TV. And so we need to know that. Like I, like that would be, that would be right. a nice, that would be a nice change. Any, um, yeah, Jakai Polite probably fell out of the first round with his combine. He's got, you know, a lot of upside, but when you're having these weird conversations with teams and you're, you know, your people are questioning whether or not you actually got hurt and you're not performing well and you're supposed to be a freak athlete, that's never a good sign. Uh, did you, did you catch any, did you catch all the DB stuff? I know that you flew, you flew out on Friday, right? Did you fly out on
1: Friday? Yeah, I, I had to fly out on Friday. I got to watch the quarterbacks back at home, which was nice. Um, got to catch a number of the DBs. Um, you know, one guy stood out at least from the safety position, Darnell Savage, I, I, out of Maryland. We're 4 3 four three nine unofficial when I was watching, but man, from from looking at him, on four, four, four,
0: uh, four three six official.
1: There you go. So even faster than, than what I had seen. Um, but you know, that speed matches what you see on film. That that speed and, and really the athleticism matches. Uh, what you saw as a coverage player, a guy who blitzes very well off the edge too, and plays well against the run. He's really the complete package. Uh, he was the guy that really stood out in that regard. I mean, look, the the, the cornerbacks think Greedy Williams. He ran fast enough to solidify himself as a first round pick, a cornerback. Even though there's a lot of reservations about, you know, you know, is he going to stick his nose in the run game and be a physical player? Um, that, that's really the only thing that I would be questioning, which isn't as big of a concern considering how many teams are are going to more. Uh, shotgun passing offenses throwing roughly about 60 some percent of the time. So, uh, not as big of a reservation with that as, um, as most people have. So, it's, you know, a number of guys stood out. I, I think what really stood out to me was how much better this draft is for defensive players than offensive players. Yes. With the exception of the wide receiver position, that was really the takeaway. Wide receiver and tight end, which tight end of to me, it's like there's three at the top and then there's kind of everyone else. It's, it's the Iowa boys, fan and Hawkinson and Eric Smith Jr., and then everyone else. Um, and, and, and then you look at, you know, again, some of the wide receivers. We said well, there's, a, there's a lot of depth there, a lot of talent. But outside of that, man, this is going to be a very, very much defensive-heavy draft. So I'm kind of excited to see just how many guys will be taken on that side in general in the draft versus offense.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think this is a – we're going to see it happen. Cause it all, it happens every year that there's a, like, you know, the, the economic aspect of this, there's a supply and demand of certain positions, there's some positional scarcity, and teams who have a need at like wide receiver or have a need on offense will ultimately take offensive players earlier, defensive players will slide down the board, and you're gonna see teams like, I think the Raiders are in such a good position this draft with 4, 24, and 27, that if they just, I mean like, if you want to find one playmaker and two defensive players, you could come out of the first round with some, with some serious, uh, talent. And I just think, I just think we're going to see a lot of, a lot of, I don't know about blue chippers, but a lot of really good – we're going to be surprised by some of the picks that are going to be made in the middle of the second round. Like, man, how did that Like that guy fell that far. God, what a steal for this team, et cetera, et cetera. I just think there's a deeper draft and it's so full of defensive players that you're going to see some of them get pushed down and, and we'll be surprised by it. Uh, let's take a you – know, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way.
1: Yeah. There's probably 50 guys who have, like, first-round grades, and there's obviously only 32 picks. So, what? you know, not everyone's going to be able to go in the – do you, you get what I'm saying
0: or not? No, no, no I'm, 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 there's only 32. No, yeah, I know. I'm with you. No, yeah. there, there's like so, there's a big list of good guys. That, that's one way
1: of looking at it. You know, as far as grading this draft.
0: I'm with you. Sorry, I took a final sip of my coffee like a moron. Um is there anything else you would add to the combine before we take a break? Like anything else that's percolating around of that that uh, yeah that actually big i would yeah. you
1: know what's kind of lame it was just everyone kind of knows pride 47 now it's played out oh, none of the coaches great like, point. really the general managers want to go as much and it seems to be where all the media members now just want to hawk and hope that they you know can can sit there like vultures and just find all these guys who walk in and don't get me wrong you still see the occasional coach and general manager there but it's not what it once used to be it's kind of sad um, it's kind of sad that the media has ruined has absolutely ruined what was a fun place to go to see all the people who are going to be making decisions come for come the NFL draft, and all that in one spot.
0: Yeah, I'll say this: so you left on Friday.
1: Uh, I
0: went down. I left on Saturday, but I went down to Prime. Uh, you know, those of us who are cool enough to head up there a lot call it Prime you know, Prime Forty Seven, whatever you want to call it, Brady. You know, uh, but the, um, the I was down there on sa- on Friday night, and there was a distinct distinct. Uh, different flavor than there had been the first two nights at the Combine. A lot more personnel people and scouts and GMs, John Elway and Howie Roseman were both down there, uh, notably a lot of coaches. But I will say this, you know how when you walk in and uh, you know that table where David canner set up all weekend? sure yeah and then like across the banister is like sort of a a little square dining area they kind of they'd use that tito's bar that that, that the, the thing they roll out that they set up in the middle of the restaurant every at night where it's like you can only get tito's drinks they'd use that as sort of a barricade to kind of create this elite little area where like the the kind of the high rollers were hanging out and so it I, i'm with you 100 percent. i think that whether it's I mean, do you think that the, the, the football community, in terms of maybe the totality of the coaches and the GMs, has gotten a little less aggressive? Or do you think they're, they're just going other places because they know that... Because it looked like on, on the first two nights, Wednesday and Thursday, it was 100% media in prime, hoping for coaches and GMs to show up there, and they never did. And so the media just got drunk at a bar together. And, and like, that's fine, but it, 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 it kind of ruins the purpose of it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's not necessarily a product of, you know, whether the, the combine still has aggressive or, or these coaching staffs and front offices. I just I think it more has to do with how guarded uh, the teams and coaches need to be with, with loose lips sometimes sink ships, right? And that's where I feel like we've gotten to a point where enough media members are so dying for a scoop mm. and for something to write every single day that, you know, they're a little bit more hesitant to go out and and put, you know, go out and potentially risk uh, putting their plans out there publicly. Or there's some that are really calculated, and they know exactly what they're telling the media members. So they're okay with it. So uh, there's always two sides of uh, of how this kind of works. Well, I mean, I'll say
0: this, too. Like, you know, you – I remember when I first started going to the Combine, and Pete Prisco Prisco would take – Pete Prisco would take us around – And like, he got us, you know, like, you, you didn't hear everybody talking. It was called Moe's back then. Prime was. But like, he would, he would get us down to Moe's. And it would be crowded, but it, it would—you'd be like, "What the hell?" Like everybody from every team was there. And even as recently as, like, two years ago, we were talking about before we went down. But you know, you and I were hanging out with uh, some members of the coaching, uh, co- like, a, like a very let's just say a coach and and like some GM types uh, at the bar, you know. And it was, and it, it did feel different this year. And you may maybe you're right, maybe it has turned a corner. Um, do you want to talk really quickly about me losing my voice before we move on to the franchise tags?
1: Yeah, I mean, like this is the culmination of of the week. Is you lost your voice? You sounded like garbage uh, on CBS Sports HQ, largely because you stayed out too late and had a little bit too uh, too good of a time. Uh, But you know, you you are a gamer in the sense that you still woke up every day. You came up to work. You had great information. The delivery wasn't quite there, Uh, (laughs) but I do applaud you. I do applaud you for the effort.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, my one big mistake that I made uh, during the week is that on Thursday. Um, when I still had two days of video to do, I went out, uh, to dinner with some friends. We went to St. Elmo's, you know, had a nice, had a nice meal. And then instead of going down to prime, we went straight from Elmo's to Nicky Blaine's. And Nicky Blaine's is an underground cigar bar, uh, in Indianapolis. It's an awesome place. You can sit down there and drink some Brown, uh, smoke a cigar, listen to some Steely Dan. It was a really good time. But smoking a cigar before you have to talk for six hours for the next two days is just a stupid move, especially when you're you know you yell yelling about various stuff and you're you're hanging out late. And so that that was on me. That was an unforced error. You know
1: what? On. You know what? Forget everything I just said. I, I was totally on board to try to support you through all this yeah. until you just made a giant excuse, claiming a cigar is what did it to you. So. Forget I said anything about you toughing it out. Um, you're a tremendous <laughs> wuss. I, I'm disappointed that I just defended you. I really am.
0: Um, I, I'm, I'm disappointed that you defended me, too. All right, we're going to take a very quick break, uh, and then we will wrap this up with some franchise tag talk. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newBalance.com. Okay. Uh good news. My uh my son hasn't busted in here. Bad news is my dog is barking at something. What could it be? Who knows? Uh we'll find out. If you hear the dog, if you hear George barking, my apologies. If not, great. Um franchise tags are due today, today being Tuesday at four PM we have seen some tags handed out. Robbie Gould of the 49ers, the kicker got tagged. And then, uh, Jadaven Clowney got tagged as well. D-Ford expected to be tagged. Jadaven Clowney, of course, by the Texans. D-Ford expected to be tagged by the, uh, Chiefs. And I expect that Demarcus Lawrence will be tagged as well as I, as I've heard that he and the Cowboys are not close on a deal. Um, it seems like there's gonna be a lot, it's gonna be the same, same guy. Like, you had a free agency class, it was defensive lineman. And you had a, a draft class of defensive linemen and the tag guys who defensive linemen. A lot of focus on the edge rushers here. Are you surprised
1: by any of the names you've heard uh, for tagging? No, because I, I think this is uh, the second what, most expensive position outside of quarterback, and and so it, it's hard to really come to an agreement or a deal. Uh, when guys are making, I think, what's the, what, what's the tag number now for edge rushes? 19 million? Yeah, no, like it's actually it's actually, it's actually
0: only 17 million. It's 17. It's a steal. It's right. well, but you know what's dumb? They need to fix it. And I told you this to Joel Corey, but, like, the Von Miller, who's an outside linebacker, qu- counts against right. the linebacker numbers. He so the, counts as
1: a linebacker. Yeah. yeah. Like CJ, and that's the interesting thing about Clowney is, you know, they actually gave him, you know, based on last this past year's performance, they actually gave him like a $1 million kind of bonus yeah. in order to, uh, I think for his fifth-year option, yeah, in order to kind of offset that because, you know, of how they use them and all that. But in tagging Clowney, uh, instead of making the $17 million, he's going to make like fifteen point five or something like that. Oh, yeah. So there's definitely a flaw. I'm sure the, um, the, the NFLPA would like to uh, figure us out a solution for that uh, in the next CBA, but kind of is what it is for right now. I think the bottom line is like you you're you're saying it's a bargain, but the truth of the matter is it's still a really expensive number when sure. you look at it in in the context of the other positions that uh, are up there for for you know the franchise tag. So I think teams are look, there's no doubt they, they want to continue to you know build on uh, their roster with these edge rushes and all that, but the franchise tag was designed to keep quarterbacks, not necessarily for teams to be able to keep their franchise D ends. And every year, as the Montez sweats and the Rashawn Garys and Nick Boses and Josh Allen's come out, these other edge guys, uh, it makes it that much harder and harder for teams to want to invest long-term money into these positions. So, uh, I'm not surprised they, they came to an agreement on the tag. Jadavian Clowney is an interesting, um, you know, guy to evaluate because he's never hit double-digit sacks in his career, and even going back to his time coming out of high school, is that he was he's he kind of similar to Rashawn Gary, like one of the number one. Uh, recruits coming out of high school in South Carolina, flashed ability his sophomore year, junior year, didn't do crap because of that big hit versus the uh, Michigan Wolverines, the bowl game the year before, put him on the map. Yep. He kind of packed it in. And then since then, he's, he's about some injuries, but he's just never really played to his capability. And so now if you're the Texans, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And so they tag him for now, trying to figure out if they can find a, a long-term solution. But I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't play out this year under the tag and this ends up being his last year as a, as a Houston Texan.
0: Yeah, I think there's a good chance of that, at the very least. You know, I mean, he, his numbers haven't been what you sort of expect based on uh, where he was drafted and the hype around that Michigan hit. But he has, you know, look, he's he's been very good against the run. I think he's probably a surprisingly underrated player at this point in time. You know, I mean, having said all that, I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, – you know, if, if this is a guy who ends up hitting free agency or, or even gets tagged and traded. I know Jason Lacafora wrote about that for CBSSports.com. Um, what do you think about the idea of some, uh, some trade rumors? Josh Rosen? What do you think? Can Josh Rosen be traded? Is that out of the question?
1: I think he can be. It just depends what the offer is going to be. And, and the fact that the Arizona Cardinals paid a large portion of what's owed to him under his rookie deal. Makes him more tradable. The fact that he's got some seasoning in the NFL uh, makes him more tradable. And, and look, I'm, I'm sure other teams had a first round grade, grade on him besides the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and so, if you're a quarterback needy team like the Washington Redskins, and and you'd be willing to give up some, you know, a second round pick in exchange for a guy who's got first round talent, why wouldn't you? You know, and he can come in and you know you you can see what he is in Jay Gruden's system, which I think would be a good fit. And You know, maybe he ends up being the guy in in Washington if Alex Smith can't come back, or even if he can, um, you know, maybe he ends up still being the guy in the future. So I could see him getting traded. I see him not getting traded. (laughs) I could also see them saying, look, we're going to take Kyler Murray. We've got Josh Rosen. What's the need of him to trade either one of these guys? Like, there's some concern about taking Kyler Murray, right? There's a chance he might want to go back to baseball. Now, if he's drafted number one overall, he'd be making a ton of money in in basically a fully guaranteed contract with the Cardinals. And, and it, it would be tough for the Oakland Athletics to then offer him something um, that would force him uh, to want to go to baseball instead. Which it's always out there, right? The only the hard part for any Major League Baseball team is if they do offer him over whatever the amount is—I can't think of off the top of my head—they have to bring him up to the forty-man roster.
0: Oh yeah, and, and so oh, if yeah. you
1: are you are you willing to do that in, in order to bring in a kid that you're not sure will ever be able to play at the level of a Major League Baseball player? So. Um, if that's the case, and you want to take this risk on Kyler Murray, why not have both? See how the rookie year goes. Let the best man win. If he wins, great. You know, you can deal Rosen after the season. There'll still be a trade market for him. And if not, maybe Rosen's the guy. And then Kyler Murray is either kind of waiting in the wings to get in, or maybe he just decides to say, screw it, I'm going to go to baseball. Um, so there's also a chance that you could trade Rosen, They might not draft Kyler Murray, or maybe both guys end up on the roster.
0: Well, here's the thing, too. Josh Rosen – they paid out most of his, uh, most of his money. Because, you know, you have that signing yeah. bonus, right? He had a 10.8 $10 million dollar $10. signing bonus. Um, you know, and then you're giving him, I think they paid out 16 million dollars of, uh, of his, of his, no, maybe, maybe they paid out like 12 million dollars of his deal already. Whatever it is. They paid, the Cardinals have paid Josh Rosen a ton of money already. When you look at what he's owed left on his deal, it's like 8 million dollars over four years. So if you're if you're somebody who's interested in training for Josh Rosen, you have a excuse me. I have to turn the volume down on my big telephone. Daddy's big telephone. Um, did you hear that exchange, by the way? Could you hear any of that? Hold I on. did not. Oh wow. Okay. All right. There's a whole uh telephone exchange followed by a dog who's now plotting to destroy my entire office. Um, I it, it's you're, you're doing remarkably well for someone with a small child.
1: By the way, I don't hear a peep out of you. Um, well, but, I, I try to hit the mute button quite often. Uh, you know, whatever I'm feeding where she starts getting fussy, and uh, then I just try to be really short uh as I can at times when I know she's about to get fussy.
0: Well, you're a pro, Brady. Uh, I'm not. I'm I'm just being steamrolled by a child and a dog here. Uh, at any rate, no, I mean, like I think if you're a team that wants to, ch- so this is, but like that the that money amount coupled with Josh Rosen's pedigree, coupled with. The idea that there's always at some point throughout the season a need for a quarterback via trade. If I'm the Cardinals, I'll, I'll go out there and float ideas about, you know, taking Kyler Murray and trading Josh Rosen. I'm not just dumping Josh Rosen for a third round pick. I'm not dumping it for a second round pick. If the, if the Dolphins or the Redskins want to give me 13 or 15, or if you know, even I mean, maybe I, can, I don't know if you can do it with the Raiders for like 24. And they probably won't do it anyway because they, they could have got him at 10 last year. But I'm not I'm not opposed to making that trade for a first round pick. I'm not going to do it for a third round pick. I'll just write out. I like your idea. Write out both quarterbacks. See if Kyler Murray's got it, and if he does have it, maybe you can trade Josh Rosen when, when an injury pops up for another team, or at some point, um, you know, elsewhere in the draft. You don't have to do it right now, and it gives you a safety net. It, look, I, I don't think those two guys would get along in a quarterback room necessarily, but hey, you know what? I mean, if you they worked, it, it worked out fine in Green Bay, it worked out fine in San Diego, now Los Angeles with the Chargers, and um, it wasn't always pretty, but it, but you can make it work if you have to. How about...
1: Yeah, and, here, ahead, no. and here's the truth. is Behind that offensive line, they might both have to play anyway. Uh-huh. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this year goes with the Arizona Cardinals and what they do decide to do. I'm still betting they are bluffing and that they're going to take a different position or trade out of it if they get the right offer. Uh, but I don't know if that offer is going to come, at least not based on... Somewhat we talked about in regards to the, the, the reservations with Colin Murray's football IQ and some of the bad interviews.
0: Mm, all right alright, interesting. What, uh, one last thing. What about, uh, the idea of trading Ryan Tannehill? That buzz started to build on Monday afternoon that the Dolphins are engaging in early, the early stages of uh, a Ryan Tannehill deal. Do you believe that the Dolphins will be able to trade Ryan Tannehill who has heretofore not been great, um, and actually has Sort of a terrible contract, twenty-six million dollar cap hit this year, twenty-five million dollar cap hit next year. He's very cuttable, um, but not a great, not a great, uh, not a great cap hit there.
1: Yeah, they'll be able to trade him if they can restructure the contract, um, right? And, and and that's that's going to be what this trade is contingent upon. That and obviously compensation. Um, but you know, the interesting thing is, you know, if you cut Ryan Tannehill and he goes sign elsewhere, I mean, there's always that. Kind of third round compensatory pick that you would potentially have on the table, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, if that's there for you, I mean, it's got to be a pretty darn good offer. And I don't know that he's going to be fielding something better, that much better than that. Um, and, and so, I guess we'll have
0: you to can't, well, see no, what can't you comes, can't from it, you can't cut him. If you cut him, you're not getting a comp pick. He has to walk as like a completely unrestricted free agent. So, like Michael Crabtree, you know, cut by the Ravens won't won't count into the comp pick formula. But uh, but. Um, Oh, John, uh Jesus, what, what's wrong with me today? Who's the receiver? That, John Brown, uh, who walked. John a three, Brownwood. G, yeah, John Brown right. would. Yeah, so, like, the Dolphins can ride out Ryan Tano for two more years and then let him walk and potentially get the comp pick. Um, if they cut him, they save $13 million in cap space. If they trade him, you know, they're – and that's
1: that's at like a post-June first designation, right?
0: No, no, no. they they say 13 million they say 13 million dollars anyway. Um cuz his cat his dead cap number is only 13.4 million. If he's post-June, they save um they save like 20 they save 19 million dollars, but if five you know 5.5 5 would be on next year's cap. I, I just don't know right. who's going to trade him and take that cap hit on. Like like
1: what? No, I, I I'm not sure who would either, right? Yeah. And that's part of it. And then also, I mean what are you trading for? Are you trading for a Ryan Sandoval? Oh, you're expecting to come in and be your starter? Is it like the Washington Redskins? I don't even know if they have enough cap space yeah, exactly. uh, to absorb something like that. But the other question becomes, uh, you know, again, his injury history, he's got a uh, he's got a bad knee, and, and then what are you trading for? I mean, are you really going to pay him that much and not have him be the guy? He's, he's got to be the guy. Otherwise, you're looking at him saying well, he's a really high highly paid backup, uh, to maybe, you know, holding down the job until a rookie that we draft is going to take over. So, uh, and again, you've got other more economical options, Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe Case Keenum. There's other guys who are going to be potentially out there via either in the trade market if they're under their contract or free agency. Uh, so that's always a possibility, too. And I think that's going to drive the trade uh, compensation for Ryan Tannehill down uh, or just ultimately force the Dolphins into, you know, having to release him. Unless they, again, renegotiate this contract. And Tannehill's willing to play uh, play for a lot less. All
0: right. Uh, I think that's it. That's all we got for this show. Good stuff. Did I miss something? I could have missed something.
1: Um, Did we have any fun conversations when we were in Indy? I feel like we really didn't have a ton of fun. Well,
0: we didn't, but that's because Pete was around. And Pete was sort
1: of... uh,
0: Right. Yeah. I I don't know if it
1: was so much on Pete. I mean... You know, it could have been for other reasons, right? Like maybe uh, I'm not really sure what to chalk it up to. Uh, oh. Look, we had a, we had a good time though. i don't say that much. We I had fun. Oh, yeah. Chick Fil A. Did you know I'm such a big fan? Oh of Oh my god, you
0: Chick Fil A? Yes, I got. I forgot about this. This was a, like you were completely. People were floored by this, and you were completely unfazed and borderline surprised that people like were shocked when you ate. And I'm not kidding. Three. Spite three chicken sandwiches, three number ones, you know, plain the regular fried chicken on the on the bun in the bag with the pickles on it. I believe you took the pickles off, but you ate three in the span of uh fifteen minutes.
1: It, it, that I'm be, not really sure I that was probably like six minutes. It was probably like I'm six still minutes not really ahead. sure what the fascination is uh with with eating that fast. One, you guys have had to have seen people who eat that fast before. And and I just I, I don't really get it. I, I'm not really sure why uh you know, Everyone was so fascinated by it. I was really hungry. There were leftovers. I typically don't eat that kind of crap, but it wasn't really a better option because of our schedule. So uh, I housed through those last three, and then I moved forward with my life. That's pretty much it.
0: I got to tell you, you know it's a little surprising? I just looked this up real quick. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's surprising. I mean, I, I guess I would have expected it. Like those three, chicken each Chick-fil-A sandwich, an original Chick-fil-A sandwich, has 440 calories. It's not even that, mi- like, wow. it's, it's not bad. Like, it's, you know, if you add, uh, the fries, you've got 840 calories. 440 is nothing. And 440 is like, no, like a, like a, like if you, if you get, it's like two servings of Cheez-Its. I mean, it's nothing. For yeah, everybody. but
1: I had, I had three sandwiches, right? So I'm, I'm already over, like, I'm into 1300 calories at that point.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, did you, did you work out while you were at the combine at all? I didn't. I did. I did work out. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, we know you did.
1: You were having a good time out there. Yeah. I mean, you weren't not having a good time, right? Did you have a good time? No, I, I was having a good time. I was working a lot though. I was working a lot.
0: So. Yeah, You know, I noticed that with the Super Bowl too. And at least from my perspective, I don't think I had as much fun as I used to back in the day. Like our work, maybe I'm older, maybe I'm a harder worker. Maybe i more maybe I care more. It's maybe it's a podcast. I don't know. But it's uh there's a lot of work being done on these work trips these days. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, Brady.
1: It, it's too much work, not enough play No, I'm just kidding. none, none of it's <laughs> work, man. This is all fun. It's fun hanging out with you guys. We got a great group at CBS. Uh that that was one thing that I came away by uh happy about. It's a great group of guys to to be at the combine with and just kind of throw ideas with and then and listen to how everyone rags on each other. But yeah. most importantly how everyone gangs up on Frisco. The, but that, that's that's really the fun part of it
0: all. Prisco's an alien, as Jamie Eisenberg pointed out. He's a he's a he's an alien sent here to harass normal human beings walking around on this planet, and um, that's fine. You know, that's just who he is. It's a freak of nature from outer space. It's not a big deal.
1: He's um, so funny, he, he really
0: is. He, so, you know, you know, he put me on trial on Friday night. I'll explain it to you later. It's a whole thing. Um, but it, he he spent like an entire dinner. Like, like like pretending like I was a defendant, and then he ended up um, he ended up deciding that I was guilty of treason. So got that Uh <laughs> Brady Quinn, always a pleasure to talk to you. We will have you back on next week. As oh, okay, free agency starts next week. This league year is firing up. Um, have a great week, man.
1: You too, bro. Look forward to talking next week.